Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in Miller and Condon on a Friday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, with you as we talk sports over the next couple of hours. And we'll do so while we can. Oh no, that is not a no. It's not a very good, ominous start there, Ken Miller. Yeah, the uh, the Cardinals and the Brewers have been. They're postponed today. It was a day game. A couple of positives on the Cardinals. Cardinals just left Minnesota. What does that mean for the Twins in Cleveland going forward? Twenty percent of the schedule's already been canceled. Phillies seven games, Marlins seven games, Yanks and Orioles both four, Blue Jays Nationals both three, and Cards and the Brewers. This is all not rain related. Uh, this is COVID related. I uh, always thought the travel was going to be a major, major factor in this thing if they were able to pull it off, uh, and it's not gone well the first week of the season. So we'll take the two Claxons uh, props, or uh, the baseball props out of the Claxons giveaway, and uh, substitute MLB or NBA rather. And NHL, at least we have that, as both of those sports playing inside the bubble, so therefore they should be safe. We've got a dinger tonight on the radio at 7.30. It's Urbandale and Johnson. I could not agree more with you about your tweet from earlier on. Uh, when you mentioned just the rivalry it is to high school baseball, what Valley Dowling is to high school football. It is, and this is a rivalry with... I don't want to say maybe not bad blood would be the correct term, but there's chippiness on mm-hmm. both sides. Mm-hmm. They they want to beat them. And these are kids that grew up together. They play Little League, depending on what part of town kind of they li- live together. But when it gets to high school and they get split apart, these guys know each other and they want to beat it. each other. Last year was a surprise. Urbandale winning their second straight title, beating the number one team, Johnston. They face off against Johnston, again number one. Urbandale gets the four seed, and they got the four seed, allegedly because of the coaching voting that dropped them. Everybody had them as the number three seed. You vote for the seven other teams in the bracket. That's what the coaches do, mm-hmm. except for the Johnston Dragons, who put them as the five seed. Mm. That's who they voted Urbandale, nice. which dropped them down to the four. And now instead of playing and being on the other side of the bracket, they'll play tonight in the semifinals. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that game in the final, Trent, but should be as entertaining as you know what tonight. Mm-hmm. You've got it at 7.30 uh, on both 1460, of course, and 106.3 FM. To that end, Urbandale's coach Jeremy Heinen will join us coming up here in about 20 minutes. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. This is the BMW Des Moines guest list, by the way. Bill Bender, Sporting News. We'll talk college football at 10.45. Kevin Warren put out a... Uh, an email to all the athletic departments within the Big Ten. They're going conference only. Uh, by the sounds of things, the Big Ten is as iffy as any of the Power Five conferences, whether they're, they believe uh, college football is going to be played this year. It does feel like if there's going to be another shoe that drops in terms of 
football, college football not being played in the fall at the power level, mm-hmm. it's going to come first from the Big Ten. And we will find, I think, very quickly if that decision is going to be made within the next week. Will that schedule I even come out? think early in the week. Yeah, will that schedule even come out that we've been... Uh-huh. Waiting for now for well, not what seems not like playing a long time. In the fall. Right. They'll, they'll redo it for who knows. When it'll happen. It, it has to happen in some form or fashion, yeah. though. The money is too great. Athletic departments, we're not just program shutter. We're talking about athletic departments, the way that they are set up, where a lot of these schools, smaller schools, not Big Ten, Big 12, mm-hmm. but big schools, they might have to look at the route of, like Drake football, which is non-scholarship. Mm-hmm. I, that's a route I think more and more of these athletic departments are going to have to look yep. like, look at and see if that just makes more sense for them financially, which is it's a scary proposition. It is. We may be going back to, and I don't think it'll get to this part, but when a scholarship was indeed a fair trade for mm-hmm. your services. Remember back in the 70s yes. when coaches were making 85000 a year <laughs> right. and we thought that they were well paid at the time. Uh, anyways, Bill Bender on uh, College Football at 1045. Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com. We will uh, recap the press conference from yesterday with Barta and Kirk Ferentz, uh, and then Dave Sproul on Iowa State in the Big 12. The Big 12 has canceled their virtual media days for Monday. We believe that their schedule is going to come out Monday or Tuesday of next week. At least that's the rumor. Uh, and there's leaning conference only at this point. So that Ball State game, South Dakota, UNLV, all of those games that you thought you may see if you're an Iowa State fan uh, certainly looks as though those are very much in jeopardy at this point. But we'll know um, very quickly on them as well because I believe the presidents are meeting and then they'll send their recommendation up the ladder and uh, Bob Bowlesby will make some kind of announcement early in the uh, next week. So the first couple of days of your work week next week, if you're a college football fan, and I'm assuming if you're listening to us, you are uh, going to be very, very telling and hopefully uh, we'll learn a lot. You know, uh, one thing that I've struggled with with this college football conversation is is the idea of mush- moving these games back. It's pushing everything back into the middle of September. That's what the Pac-12 ACC has made the decision to do. And I just I couldn't understand the justification. Well, I heard uh, and read a column yesterday from Yahoo talking about that. And the reason behind it, at least one of the theories behind it, is it's not that things are going to be that much safer or they think, but more than anything... They want to see how this goes for the NFL. And oh, instead of sure. college football being the guinea pig, yeah, good. Oklahoma and Kansas, as it's currently constructed, they can start practice today mm-hmm. because they have now games scheduled in 29th, week zero. Yep. And they can get going at this point. But instead of them being the guinea pig, you must move back to start a practice until the middle of August. By that time, NFL training camps are already going to be going on and see if there's these widespread outbreaks there. All right, now it makes sense. Yes, we do have to push this thing back. So at least that's the justification behind it. Mm-hmm. And it makes a little bit more sense now that I hear that because I couldn't wrap my mind around what's the difference between starting well, August Fauci's 29th. Well, convinced, and I listened to him driving in this uh, this morning. I guess he's he's in front of a bunch of politicians. <laughs> he's getting grilled. Um, but he's he's convinced, and I, I'm a Fauci believer. Yeah, He, he believes that there'll be a vaccine. He's I confident. hope he's right. Everybody does. Yeah. Uh, but he's, I mean, he just doesn't throw that stuff out there if he doesn't mm-hmm. believe it. 
And uh, my fingers are crossed that he's right on this. So we'll see. Uh, so that's the uh, guest list here today. I got, we got to start with your twins from last night, Trent. Twins and the Indians. You know, we said a couple of times during the show yesterday that the, the best pitcher in baseball that no one knows who he is. Yeah. Uh, if you watch the game last night, you know who Shane Bieber is now. Trent, this, I don't have to tell you. No. This twins lineup is a lineup of professional hitters. Mm-hmm. Up and down. Up and down that lineup. Find the weak spot in that lineup where you, oh, you get a bit of a breather because this guy's in the batter's box. That doesn't happen on this team. Trent, Bieber made these guys look bad, look like complete. Josh Donaldson struck out three times. Bieber got him three times. Let me run this by. Kepler, he got once. Donaldson struck him out three times. Polanco once. Rosario once. Garver, he got three times. Sanoe got twice. And Buxton, he got twice. 13 strikeouts. He tied a major league record for the most strike, major league record for the most strikeouts in the first two games of his season. That's unbelievable. 27 strikeouts for the young man in two starts. Two starts where he has thrown now a combined 199 pitches and had that many strikeouts. Not only is he a strikeout pitcher, he's incredibly efficient yes. in doing Didn't it. walk a man, Trent. He was so good last night. You mentioned Donaldson, one of those at-bats where he was up there and he finished. It went to 3-2. Yeah, Donaldson got down 0-2. Kept going curveball. He had a runner on base at yes. the time, too. Maybe two. Buxton was on. Buxton was on second. Yes. Yep. Yep. And yeah, there was a runner on mm-hmm. first, too, because mm-hmm. uh, Kepler got on. Yeah, so there was two on, and Donaldson that just... was the only trouble Bieber had. Yeah, and he... You could see Donaldson, and you're right. I love the guy, even though he's not hitting it. You can just He's just a grinder. He, he, is. he is an easy player to root for mm-hmm. when he's on your team. And, and you're, I'm sure the hitting will come around at some oh, point, sure. though. Historically, he's always a slow starter Yeah, when you're playing a 60-game schedule. Yeah. That slow start magnifies itself a whole lot more, but curveball after curveball, he fouled off a real tough one, and he finally got him. And Bieber, he skipped that one on the plate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it got him. When you he can do that against off of it. Josh Donaldson, you know just yeah. how good this guy is. 27 strikeouts over his first two starts of the year. I'm not sure. I was listening to the broadcast. But I missed Bremer last night. Who was the play-by-play? Przinski was on the color. I don't yes. know who the play-by-play. Przinski's good. Yeah. Uh, I, I like listening to him. Mm-hmm. Um I miss Bremer last night doing the game yeah. a little bit. But Bieber had to walk on at his college. He didn't have a scholarship. He walked on, Trent. It's unthinkable. It's amazing. Cleveland, look, I missed Cleveland. Uh, when we go back and we're thinking what this season's going to look like and you know, going on record, and you're, you just do, when you do that, you're setting yourself up to be embarrassed. And this is another example. Uh, I, I've completely missed on Cleveland. I thought their window was shut. This pitching staff is unbelievable. They're ridiculous. This is un, you know what? Uh, like, I'm not alone writing off Cleveland. I've, everybody bought into this White Sox hype mm-hmm. and I was certainly on that bandwagon early that this is going to be a different year. Look at the bats. Keichel coming over. He's going to make a difference. If Giolito's Giolito from the first half last year, Trent, your twins are in trouble. (laughs) Well, they may be in trouble, but it might not be the White Sox. It might be that team that's always uh, at the top of that division as of late, and that's the end is they're good. They are. Bieber, Carrasco, who... Mm -hmm. So great to see him out there after battling leukemia and seeing him out on the bump. I mentioned Savali. I saw him throw Mm -hmm. for the first time the other day against the White Sox. I was incredibly impressed by him. Mike Clevenger. Yeah, that's not Solid. that's not a bad top nope. top four. Solid. And then please sex their five. He's unreal. Who's a, that's your number five? Same draft as Bieber, by the way. Right. Same draft. Yeah, that, that draft that the Indians Ooh. put together was incredibly good. Then you have a bullpen that is good. Certainly, Brad Hand is excellent. We've he seen is, that although he got lit years. up against the White Sox. He did. But that was the that was back to back starts. This kid who pitched last night came in the ninth. Karen Chak? Yeah. 
Just another one. Yeah. His, his ERA right now is zero. Not bad. Not bad. You take that. And then you have Francisco Lindor, one of the mm-hmm. top five players in baseball. Oh, he got that one yesterday, didn't he? And he can put a team on his back. Yeah. Brio's got up 0-2. Oh. And just groove. And here's the thing. Get Bre- it up. Brio's pitched well. He did. Yeah. He wasn't overly efficient early on. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have like, it wasn't like a bad night for him. This is Brio's, though, continually. This happened to him last year. I mean, they had a team that set the major league record for home runs. And they don't give him any run support. Isn't yeah. it crazy how that yeah. seems to happen to so many good pitchers? Mm-hmm. And how, how many guys we've seen throughout the years? Well, it was it's like he, the guy a just, lot oh. of times he's facing the other team's ace, though, too. That's too. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And, and that hurts the win-loss mm-hmm. record. But it just seems like, for whatever reason, there's something mental that happens in baseball. Oh, we got our ace out there. Yeah, I guess we don't need to score eight today. <laughs> we scored two, maybe that'll be enough. And, well, last night. Last night it was. Yeah. Uh, Bieber was unbelievable. You know, just real quick on this. Uh, the Blue Jays don't know what they're doing. And I don't mean on the field. After the game last night, they had no plans. They were supposed to play Philadelphia this weekend. They're not going to Philadelphia. Right. They can't go home. They don't have a home. <laughs> They've been in Washington all week because they're playing the first two on the road. They were the road team. The next two, they were the home team. They've been in the nation's capital all week, and they don't know what to do. They play Atlanta on Tuesday, so you're off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Where are you going to go? Georgia's a hot spot. Georgia is yeah. a huge hot spot right now. So you just stay there? I guess. I mean, they don't have a plan when they signed off. And by the way, you know who I get doing the Blue You know who's doing the, uh, the play-by-play of the Blue Jays game this year? I do. Isn't it Dan Schulman? It is. Oh, he's so good. He is so. He was so good on Sunday Night Baseball. Mm-hmm. He lives in Toronto. He's a Canadian. He's from Toronto, from Ontario anyways. Um it's such a treat to listen to That's him do great. games. No, he's really good. That's the same thing whenever I randomly come across an Orioles game. Oh, yeah, for uh, and Gary, oh, uh, Thorne. Gary Thorne. Right, right, right. I just, there's something about him. You know what Back he is, when I watched hockey. He was, I was just going to say, he's an underrated hockey voice. Yes. Him and Bill Clement were a really good team. His voice just reminds me of that early 90s hockey when, yep. I mean, NBA at the time was really big, mm-hmm. but hockey... Felt Detroit, like really Red big. Wings and Colorado yes. Avalanche and those two teams, and he is knocking so good. They're, they're just other. those certain voices yeah. that you hear calling a game, and and it brings you back, mm-hmm. and it's great to see that. You know, the Padres for a number of years. Now, they I have. don't think Thorne's doing it this year. Oh, he's not. Oh, I th- believe him and Palmer begged out because I think of COVID. You're right? right? I think you're positive. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Dick Enberg when he did the Padres yeah, games the late in his, his career. career. That was another fun one. And, of course, Scully, when he'd be doing Dodgers games and just so great. So yeah, many of those Yeah, how about Enberg, right? I mean, uh, all the things that he did in his career, he wanted to call baseball. Yeah. To call it, uh, to put a little bow on an unbelievable uh, career that he had. So um, that's the baseball from last night. The Cubs were rained out, told you. <laughs> you had hey, you had it. that? <laughs> so we wait. To see about the Cardinals, there's contract tracing. I saw something from the twin side of things. They're going through contract tracing on their end to see Mm -hmm. who the positive was and what contact there might have been between the two. Does that put on hold the Indians and the Twins for tonight? That's why I took it out of the Claxons, Trent, because you just don't know, and we won't know probably till we get off the air. But that's been this. That's been the history so far. It's the. You know, it's the team that uh, does have some positives, and who do they play, and whoever that opponent was. Sadly, they've been shut down a couple of times. So, we'll see. 
We'll Postpone games this week. The Phillies, seven. Yep. Marlins, seven. Yep. Yankees, four. Orioles, four. Mm-hmm. Blue Jays, three. Nats, three. Cards and Brewers, one each. And counting. And counting. Yep. Kick the Blue uh, kick the Blue Jays and the Marlins out of the league. Not that I want to see my Jays kicked up. For this year. For this year. They don't have a home. <laughs> Go down to 28. Yeah, just, you know, Marlins get the, their problem. They deserve to be kidding. Now, the Jays didn't do anything to bring it on themselves. They don't have any positives. It's just they don't have a place that they can call home. I mean, think about that. A major league, a professional team. What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Oh, I'm just going to stay here, I Let's guess. We don't have any plans. Unbelievable. All right, so your game tonight. Let's uh, let's hit yeah. on this. I am so, not this is a, this is, I'm going to start rephrasing this again. I'm not so glad. Um because of the circumstances we were in, when we go back in the late May, we speculated that there would be more eyeballs on high school baseball than ever before in the state of Iowa. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all get ginned up about uh, the start of high school football season, right? High school basketball, can't wait to see them uh, not only play their regular season, but once the boys and the girls get down to the well uh, to culminate a season, it's a big deal. Uh, high school baseball, for whatever reason, mostly because the kids have graduated, school is out, mm-hmm. uh, it's in the summertime, doesn't get the, maybe respect is the right word, that it deserves. This year it certainly has. Now, I know a lot of people were watching it because they wanted to see how we they would be able to navigate this sport through the pandemic that everybody finds themselves in, and we think that they've done a remarkable job at that. But Trent, these two teams tonight... And to that end, it's already sold out. Yes. Now yes. I know it's I know it's not full capacity at Principal Park, mm-hmm. but in the social distancing world, all of the seats that are available are gone. So don't don't uh, you know last minute jump in the car, take the family out and see a game. You can't. It's sold out. Um, but good for them for getting what um, you know for finally getting the eyeballs and the respect the sport deserves. It's going to be a great one tonight between a big rivalry matchup and. The number of guys that are going to go on and play collegiately. Now we talked about Brody Brecht and, and his opportunity to play both mm-hmm. baseball and football at Iowa, but just the sheer volume. Uh, Gabe Swanson from Johnston, he's going to Nebraska. The number of guys that we're seeing going to Iowa, the 2021 class in the state of Iowa, the kids that are now juniors, just how good it is. At the top of it, uh, Ian Moeller, who's going to LSU from Dubuque. Jackson Wentworth from Waukee, he's going to Kansas State. Peterson, Brecht, already committed to Iowa. A couple of Minnesota commits already. We're talking high-level D1 baseball. Garrett Christensen will see tonight for Urbandale. And how about that for a first name? You name your kid, your kid Garrett? <laughs> right. What do you think he's going to play? He started playing as a freshman for the uh, Jayhawks, and he's been outstanding, just a junior, and he's going to be a Hawkeye mm-hmm. in his future, and on and on and on. Ankeny's got a couple of D1 kids. We mentioned Breck, Weston Folks also committed. Ankeny to plays play at Iowa. what time? They'll play at 4.30 mm-hmm. against a really good Dubuque Hempstead team. That Dubuque Hempstead team, by the way, has a kid committed to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Just on and on and on. Can Ankeny win? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And I, I still think they're the favorite in that game. So Brecht would come back in the championship game? He hit his max pitches, so I don't believe that he will. You're kidding. Yeah, he hit the 115, and that means at least three, maybe four days off in between. So oh, no. they're going to have to go deeper into the rotation in order to bring home a championship. Same so thing for Langenberg. it's not days. It's pitches? Well, the pitch limit, yeah. And if you if you stay under 60, then he can come back. With a day of rest in between, I think it's under 40, you can come back the next day. Mm-hmm. If you hit 115, though, you have to have three do- days off in between. i got to re So he pitched rules. Wednesday night, mm-hmm. Thursday's off, Friday's off, couldn't come back on Saturday. Yeah. 
Mm. I believe that's how it is. And same thing for Ty Langenberg yeah. for Urbandale. How good now? Look at Urbandale. Hey, both Ankeny and Urbandale have work to do before they would get to tomorrow night. Should they get to tomorrow night? But if they would get to tomorrow night, mm-hmm. we're missing out here, maybe. Right, are, right. Two future Hawkeyes yeah. going up against each other. We saw that in the quarterfinals with another future Hawkeye who I walked away even more impressed by Jackson Payne and what he did. He was committed for a long time to South Dakota State, wanted to be a Hawkeye. They found some scholarship money for him, and that's where he's going to be. Uh, he'll be joining up and uh, rooming with Alec Niggett, who Rush does the games mm, with me. Mm-hmm. They'll be at Iowa next season as uh, Alex recovering from his Tommy John surgery. It's just, And that's another great thing. You know, we don't have Iowa State baseball anymore. We don't have right. UNI baseball. Drake hasn't had baseball at the D1 level for a number of years. These kids that go to Iowa, it's a team that if you're a baseball fan in the state, I understand it's hard for Cyclone fans to root for Iowa. Right. But if there's ever a time no, to do it, they just won't. They just can't. They <laughs> yeah. just can't. I, I get it. Yeah, I get you it know there. But there's so many kids from Central Iowa that go to play for the Hawkeyes. We saw Peyton Williams before the season ended from Johnston. Got off to a great start. He was a freshman All-American this year. It's incredible to see. It mm-hmm. really is. And we get high, high-level baseball and a great one tonight. And I'll let you know. I'll, I'll maybe have one of my earpieces off so I can hear down on the field mm-hmm. a little bit better. A little chirping, you there, think? There's going to be some hooting and hollering back That's and forth good. on this one. Uh, it's a great rivalry, Trent. It's Valley Dowling in, in baseball, if if you will. Uh, just real quick, uh, did you, the press conference yesterday that we carried it at 1 o'clock, mm-hmm. Ferentz and Barta, it, it, look, I, this was not a good day for Iowa yesterday. Nobody should come away with the um, with the thought that yeah, this was a good day. This was a good day for the Hawks. We're moving forward. Everything is fine. No, everything is not fine. And right. when your your program was exposed yesterday, it was exposed in the weeks leading up to it. But this was not a great day for Iowa yesterday. Nobody should be thinking that, and a lot of people are that this was a win. Look, there's going to be no more. Uh, coaches lose their gig. If if that you want to put in the win column, if you're so inclined, you can move that over there. But this was not a good day for Iowa. Um, I just don't see how he could take it that way. A lot of people are pointing to, well, everything's fine in the recruiting realm and everything's going to be good. For the most part, these were kids that were already committed mm-hmm. and already kind of knew what they were getting into. Although but- I don't think we've seen... Well, you know what? Maybe Caker would be one to ask. Yeah. I have not seen, at least publicly... That a kid who was on the verge of becoming a yeah. hawk is saying, you know what, this isn't for me. I, I've seen a couple of Have those, you? but that happens in recruiting in general. That's, and that's and true. can you point it back to no. this is the reason for it? I think that would be maybe difficult to connect the dots. But when you get into future years and you're talking about the 2022 class, 2023, right. and down the line, how much negative recruiting there's going to be. Well, Trenton, this can be on the internet forever. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's going to be very easy to do a Google search yeah. and you're an African American kid and you come from a city school and all of a sudden you see this and say well and you know it's going to be pointed out to them especially oh, by the will. other school that's yeah. uh, you know that's uh, in bidding if you will for for their services one more thing real quick hats off to Mike Gola called it a career today what an yeah. unbelievable uh, now I didn't I don't listen to podcasts I don't listen to sports talk radio glowing endorsement for <laughs> industry uh, but a, Sarah Spain had Mike Golick on a uh, podcast mm-hmm. And I guess he opened up. He's not. He wasn't happy with a Mike Greenberg. Uh, Trey Wingo doesn't want to get up in the mornings. That that basically why the show, um, you know, is is where it's at. Yeah. Is, is ending because Trey Wingo was just mornings weren't for him. I get it. Uh, but um, now it was there was a lot of good apparently. But Golick didn't hold back. Went to her credit. 
She's an ESPN employee. She right. has, yeah. she um, got the tough questions and maybe didn't pay. The, I mean, he found out about his gig ending in the media. Yes. I mean, and that's and not you hear good. so many of those stories. Oh, come on. It's ESPN. For a guy that's been there as long as he has right. and, and built that Have brand. a little respect for Christ. Yeah, exactly. Built ESPN radio, yes. Trent. I, Mike and Mike was that was, the franchise. And the way that they're built. I mean, that, that place, mm-hmm. that show made some money for yeah. ESPN radio throughout the years. Oof. And to go away in that realm, but also good for him not to, you know, just pout about it or anything like that. He said, I still want to work, yeah. and he's going to do college football, if there's college football. Yeah. He's going to do college football games and be an analyst, something that he did for years and hasn't for a number of years, but I always enjoyed him on those broadcasts, I don't too. remember him. Yeah. I don't remember Way back It's been so day. long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll take time out. Uh, we will uh, talk high school baseball. Jeremy Hine, head coach of Urbandale, he'll join us next. Bill Bender still to come this hour. Tom Caker at 11.05. Dave Sproul on Iowa State, 11.25. KXNO and iHeart want to help you pay your bills. Text the keyword BILLS to 200 200 right now your chance to win a thousand dollars bills to 200 200 you'll get a confirmation info standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest we're already late trent let's get to a break <laughs> jeremy heinen joins us next 1460 kx and 010 ken miller trent condon miller and condon on 1460 kx and and now on 106.3 fm Welcome back. As we continue on here in the 10 o'clock hour, still to come this hour, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. We'll get into college football, but there is a massive game tonight at Principal Park. Unfortunately, if you don't have a ticket, it is already sold out due to the limited capacity. But what capacity there is has been sold out. It's Urbandale. It's Johnson. Trent, I thought your Trent early, or your tweet rather, earlier this morning about this rivalry. Johnson Urbandale in baseball is what Valley Dowling is in high school football. It is. It's the biggest rivalry. It is two programs that have gone to really new heights. You look in all the way down to the Little League programs. Who are the teams that have been to the Little League yeah, World Series? It's Urbandale. It's Johnson. They have been there recently. And these young kids, they grow up to want to be Jayhawks, to want to be Dragons. And, and you see the development of the programs. And excited to talk to the head man for one of those programs, the Urbandale Jayhawks. It's Jeremy Heinen who joins us here on the show today. Coach, it is an unbelievable rivalry. You guys played for the 4A championship a year ago hmm. here around earlier. And uh, there's certainly conversation about that. People may be wanting to see this in the title game, but we will see it tonight. How are you doing today getting ready for the matchup with the Dragons coming up at 730 this evening? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me. Um, I know our program's excited to play Johnston in the semifinal game, so uh we're excited. We're about to go get breakfast at the machine shed and uh, nice. get her on the way today. So excited! Yeah. So, coach, when do you think that this uh, that this, these two teams began to elevate themselves into that rivalry uh, sphere, if you will? I mean, these are two uh, clearly two teams that like to do battle against each other. The games are usually competitive. Uh, here we are in the semifinal tonight. But when did these when did these two schools take their place at the top of the rivalry chain? You know, I, I don't know. Um, I guess it just evolved. Uh, I'm a Johnson Dragon, to be honest with you. I played for Jim Mahoney, graduated in 93. My assistant, varsity pitching coach, Chad Barnes, graduated in 92. So maybe that spurs it a little bit. Um, you know, I, I know we want to beat Johnson uh, every single time we face them. And, and Johnson's got a great program. So um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's evolved, but uh, when you play – in the state 
in the state tournament year in and year out here over the last five years. I think Johnson's been the last eight, something like that. Um, it just happens. So, um, you know, I think that's kind of how it evolved. You guys, of course, Wednesday night through Ty Langenberg, your ace in the game. He was outstanding against Waukee and getting the victory. No surprise there. But the way that the structure is set up in Class 4A, you play Wednesday, Friday, Saturday to get that state championship and really puts a tax on the rotation. Tell us a little bit about some of the arms you're going to have available tonight in the matchup, knowing that if you win it, then you got to win the next day on Saturday to bring in a title. Who do you expect to throw this evening? Well, um, you know, we're still even talking about exactly who to throw. I mean, we've got some ideas. Um, but one thing that we have is everyone except Ty Langenberg. Um, I think everyone's had experience on the bump. You know, we have Tucker Langenberg who had, uh, you know, pitched a great semifinal last year. Uh, Drew Dykstra, that's going to have some experience, you know, from even the last game. Um, so, no, I'm excited for our staff to to go out and prove that uh, they, they can throw in these big games as well. And, uh Excited to whoever we put out there that they're going to get the job done. Uh, Coach, you played uh, the Dragons twice this year. Obviously, you've seen them in the state tournament. I'm assuming you've at least had some of your staff scout them. Uh, what What is it about this team that um, uh, that gets your attention first and foremost? Well, you know, this year, uh, you know, you thought you you left a lot of the D1 guys, and uh, when I was able to rip up those cards, it was exciting. But all of a sudden, they've got <laughs> yeah. more dudes that come back and are hitting it just about the same way they did last year. So, um, you know, they hit it. They run bases extremely well. Uh, I think this year Coach Barta uh, has ran bases probably better than any other year that I can remember from Johnston. Um, you know, and they play the game extremely hard. They play a unique game. They wear pitches. Uh, everyone knows that in the state. They they lead that category almost year in and year out, and uh, we got to find a way to keep them off the plate and make sure they got to get out, out of their game. we got to find ways to – to rattle them just like they've rattled opponents for for many years too so um they'll, they'll play hard you know and uh nothing i don't expect nothing less from them uh three pete is on the line here tonight how many guys on your roster coach i mean catch you off guard uh how many guys on your roster would be part of that three pete that were part of the previous two state title teams do you have any idea off the top of your head i wouldn't have have that um i know that the, the guys that are producing on the field, and we got guys that produce in the dugout and roles that are that are awesome roles. But uh, Garrett Christensen, you know, played in that game last year. Uh, Ty Langenberg obviously was a big impact. Mm-hmm. Tucker Langenberg, Kyle Watson, or DH. But other than that, we've uh, the guys that are playing on the field right now and producing for us were able to watch that game and in different roles. And um, I think they're really really excited to now be on the field and and perhaps you know. Uh, keep this keep this rolling and see if we can't get a three-peat. But honestly, uh, you know, today is a huge game, and the three-peat, if it happens, it happens, but we got to get past Johnson. My sure. gosh, we had to get past Waukee, you know. Uh, that was our that was the biggest game that we can remember playing and, and facing Jackson Payne and getting, you know, two runs off him was absolutely huge to put us in a good place for the semifinal. But um, we're, just, we're just concerned about that, this first pitch and, and this first inning against Johnson. Urbandale head baseball coach Jeremy Heinen and Heinen joining us here on Miller and Condon KXNO. Coach, uh, with that, this rivalry, we talked about it at the top, and there's also some bad blood. Uh, Johnston's known as a team. They like to chirp a little bit. You guys have that same reputation across uh, the CIML. As you know, I call a ton of games here. 
how big of an impact is that on the field, knowing that there might be a little bit of John, there might be a little bit of bad blood, but ultimately it comes down to what happened between the lines. Is that something you talk to your team about beforehand, maybe not getting involved with that before the game? Um, yeah, we, 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 we address it. We have a team meeting that uh, we definitely know what Johnson does, and uh, we know what we do. And, and, and to be honest with you, we – we feel like we can only control what we can control. We can't control what Johnson does. And, uh, you know, as much as you say there's bad blood, I also thought, think there's a, just a ton of, ton of enthusiasm in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I respect what Coach Barta does over there and his staff and the players. Um, so well, we're just going to go about it and uh, control what we can control and, and see what happens. You know, I know that uh, Principal Park is, is certainly nothing new to you guys, but what is there a difference between playing in a you know professional ballpark, AAA home of the Iowa Cubs? Is there a difference when you first got there? Did you have to reel kids in? Because I could imagine put myself in their shoes, I'd be swinging for the fences or over <laughs> the fences every time. Um, what's yeah. is, what's the difference playing in uh, at Principal Park, if any? Well, there, there's a big difference. I mean, you know, the infield's not a big difference. Uh, the atmosphere, obviously, is a huge difference, just the big ballpark and the openness of it. But the biggest thing is just the outfield play. Um, you know, last year, if you guys remember right, we, we caught a couple balls that were out that if we were playing it at Johnson yeah. or Urbandale, they're, they're home runs. And um, that's why I was excited to to face Johnson. We threw Lucas Strain, who I knew was going to pound the zone, and, and – uh, allowed for them to lift some balls, but we had an outfield that could run down balls. Uh, this year's a little different. They don't have the power, I don't think, as much as they did last year. Um, but the biggest difference in Seth Taylor is the outfield play. Uh, you got to have guys that can run down balls, and normal home runs are, are potentially out. You see that in 1A through 4A. Um, that's, to me, that's the biggest difference. Have Ty Kiley out there in center field. Now you got another good one out in center field and Drew Dykstra, as long as he's not on the bump. It's a great team that's going to be a great matchup here tonight. So looking forward to this baseball game. If you do ultimately get it done, you've done it the last two years, tell us about that quick turnaround, having to get ready 24 hours later for a championship game, knowing at this point your rotation is taxed, just how difficult that turnaround is for whoever ultimately gets to the championship game. Well, I think it can be exhausting, actually, for the coaches, whoever puts that scouting report together, and that's me on, on, on Urbandale's end. Uh, I remember the first state title we had, I was, I was exhausted. I was up all night watching film on uh, Cedar Rapids, Washington, because we had really nothing on them. You know, they were an eighth seed, and uh, we scouted them those two games, but we had to come up with a plan, and that was exhausting. Didn't go to bed till 4 or 5 o'clock, and mm-hmm. then got up to do the routine. So, uh, But for the kids, we're going to send them home and get them to bed and you know, hydrate themselves, get some good, good, good food into them, and hopefully they're ready to play that next game. But uh, I'll be exhausted again this year if uh, we happen to be able to play in that game, and and uh, would love to be exhausted for this championship game if it happens. Hmm. Coach, you want to go back to when you guys started practicing? Once the green light was given by the state and that they were going to go forward with both softball uh, and high school baseball, when you when you were given that green light, you guys had yet to practice, you'd yet to play a game. Obviously, what was your concern about your team this year, and how did you get past that in order to put yourselves here back in the semifinal again? Yeah, I think the biggest concern was just health of uh, arms. Um, and really just health of, you know, when we got back into the strength and conditioning piece of our program, you know, making sure that muscles weren't just exhausted and, and how we had to slow play that because when we had the green light, normally, heck, we played spring league games and, uh, you know, up to 16 to 18 games already. 
Our pitching staff is already up to, you know, 60 to 85 pitches or if not more. So we had to depend on a lot of people individually doing work on their own. Um, and, and who knows? You couldn't trust that, you know, because who knows if they were working or not. But it came evident when, when the season began, you know, um, that who had been putting in work in. And, and most of our guys had. So we were very, very uh, lucky for that in our program. But I don't know. Uh, it, it's been it's been a challenge right from the get-go. I think finally, I think there's a lot of high school teams finally getting in their stride right now. And that's what we wanted. That was our goal to make sure that we were holding our arms in check and being able to throw 100 to 110 if needed uh, at this time. And, and we're there. So, Well, Coach, you took over for a legend in Denny Barton who won a couple of titles. If you win it this year, it'll be your third. It's Barton Field. What are you going to get named after you after you win another title? Well, it's going to be Barton Field. <laughs> uh, for, for me, it, it, you know, uh, I've been a coach under Coach Barton for uh, many, many years, mm-hmm. and, I, and I've taken a lot of what he does into this program, obviously. Um, loved him being our mentor, you know, as well as Jim Mahoney and, heck, Dwayne Banks at Iowa. Um, so kind of, kind of melted them all into how we run our program. But uh, Denny Barton's a legend, and uh, I, I won't come close to that. So the field in the in the – atmosphere is going to stay Denny Barton Field. Hmm. Coach, uh, it took a pandemic, but high school baseball, I think, finally getting the respect and the eyeballs on it that it's deserved. Sure, there was a following, but uh, this year has been uh, uh, has been fine. It's a long time coming for for everybody to get to this point and, and following high school baseball, and none better tonight than Johnson and Urbandale, 730. We've got the call. Coach Heinen, best of luck to your squad as you go to put yourselves in position uh, to three-peat with a win tonight and a win tomorrow. Thank you coach all right guys thanks for having me on i appreciate it yeah good to talk to you. jeremy heinen head coach of urbandale trend is going to be i don't know it's got a chance to be fun is it not oh yeah hey and he didn't want to get into it but yes no. there there's bad blood there he also didn't want to let out what it started who's <laughs> no, going to be on the bump either which is understandable I, I can certainly buy that it's crazy watching the state tournament, and we know, you know a lot of these guys that end up going to Iowa, You know the, the guys that are committed there, but just the amount of talent that is going to play Division One. Saw a couple of kids that have played going to Minnesota. There's a kid going to Carolina. There's a kid over at Dubuque Waller. They didn't make the tournament. He's committed to LSU. He's part of the 2021 class, and just on and on and on. Jackson Wentworth from Waukee. He's committed to Kansas State. Just this long list of Division One baseball players. We talk football. We talk basketball. The high level at the high school mm-hmm. level in the state of Iowa, no I, I think it's higher than what we see in either of those sports. It's crazy how many Division One kids, and that doesn't even throw into effect the number of junior college kids, and a lot of those kids go to JUCO because they can be drafted at two years. After two years, if you go to a Division One program, it takes three years mm-hmm. before you're eligible for the draft. It's crazy just how much talent we see here at the state tournament, and, and there's going to be a lot of D1 players on the field tonight. Indeed. Uh, you've said that for years. Uh, it's uh, just how many people, how many kids uh, get uh, sent to the next level uh, from uh, from Iowa High School baseball. Well, it's getting the eyeballs on it. Hopefully, there'll be some ears on it tonight. Trent Condon, you have the call at 7.30. We will take a timeout. Uh, we'll come back. We're going to talk to Bill Bender on college football. Uh, well, Bill Bender joins Miller and Condon. <laughs> that I, did sound good. It, I, Trent, I've, I'm, I'm I, down. I know I, you I'm are. Down.
you can't ask these kids to stay in the bubble. <laughs> you just can't. It'd be mm-hmm. off a big bubble to start with. Um, we'll talk to Bill Bender next. Miller and Condon with you until noon. Dave Sproul, actually Tom Caker at 11.05. Dave Sproul on Iowa State at uh, 11.25. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO and 101. noon. Cardinals and the Brewers have just canceled Saturday's game, so no game today, no game Saturday. Going to try to play two on Sunday. Two seven-inning games. Yeah, it'll be the first ones, right? Yes. Oh, man, what a year. So real quick, Bill Bender Sporting News momentarily. He just showed me a tweet. There's a kid (laughs) locked in the bathroom in the dugout. One of the dugouts at Principal Park. Yes. Uh, so every, all, both of the dugouts have a have a have a bathroom. If you right, didn't yep. if you didn't sit down in that part of the of the ballpark, they all do. So you have to go back to the clubhouse. Um, you can't get them out. Can't get them out. So the three A semifinals get started today. Dallas yeah. Center Grimes against Gilbert. Couple Central Iowa teams yeah. facing off. Delayed till ten fifty. Uh, this is a tweet from the Iowa High School baseball side of things. Gilbert player got locked inside the home dugout bathroom. The Iowa Cubs operations and grounds crew rescue with a crowbar and sledgehammer. The player's out. He's safe and will play for the Gilbert Tigers. Uh, if player's out. He's safe. Player's out. He's safe. Out of the bathroom safe. Right? Yes, I yes. Got you. Uh, Bill Bender, Sporting News. Bill, t- 2020 just keeps getting weirder. There's another perfect example of it. How are you, Bill Bender? Yeah, I'm doing well. I uh, definitely, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just par for the course. That's what right. just shared. And, uh, you know, we just wait for what's going to happen today. Yeah, you never know, right? And then next week. Next week, Bill, uh, I think we're going to get... Some answers, maybe not all the answers. Seems like we'll know what the Big 12's plan is. They have yet to. Um, I mean, we're we're seeing. We saw Iowa State assign Ball State to a contract if the game couldn't be played week two to take the place of the Seahawks game. Uh, we saw that the SEC is going to conference only. Notre Dame is going to share their NBC money with the ACC. So what a year! Assuming we get to that point, uh, let's start with the SEC first of all, Bill. I was kind of surprised. I thought that they would keep one rivalry. There's a lot of ACC SEC rivalry games, as you know. I thought they'd have nine and one but it's going to be conference only. Your thoughts? Yeah, there sure are. I mean, it's one of those things that a lot of surprises this week and a lot of disjointedness, honestly. Um, one, one conference is starting here, the other starting there. One did plus one. Big 12 hasn't announced anything yet. It's been wild. And then you're hearing stories today that the Big 10 might not play at all. Yep. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. And I, I think Ross Lincoln tweeted this. I totally agree with him that the first conference to do that out of the five would be the Big Ten if they decided to pull the plug and say, hey, we're going to have to pack up and try this in the spring or next season. You know, it, it's been called a nuclear winter, uh, winter by the athletic director, Jamie Pollard, at Iowa State. The financial impact of this, even if they are able to get some kind of season played in the spring, just how devastating is it going to be for both the power programs, but but on down and that trickle-down effect that seems so immense, how bad is this possibly potentially going to be for athletic departments across the country? It's bad. It, it's definitely something that, that's going to feel the effects for the next several years. Um, you know, you want sports, but I think, you know, people can rally around causes like that. If they really want football and they want these programs to work and the money that comes with that, then, then we'll get it to work. It might not be the same. It might not have 
the same, you know, feel to it in some ways. But college football we have it this year is just going to be weird to begin with, whether it's not having the fans or um, not having tailgating, mask on the field, team losing teams. I mean, look at baseball right now, guys. The baseball is a mess, mm-hmm. and there's no other way to put it. I mean, 30, 30 uh Games have already been postponed, and you just said that that if you said there's another one Saturday, then yep. we're going to have more. Yep. Yeah, it's it's. it's I mean, you, you've, there's no bubble, and there's certainly going to be no bubble for college football. And we've seen a lot of schools already have uh, numerous uh, positives, and and the campuses aren't even full of you know the rest of the student body yet. So we'll we'll see, Bill. If the Big Ten decides to pull the plug on the fall. How realistic is it that they can play this winter slash spring? How realistic? I mean, I heard Fauci this morning, and I'm a Fauci believer, uh, full disclosure. He believes, bottom of his heart, he's very optimistic that there will be a vaccine late this year, early next year. That doesn't mean that everybody's going to get it and everybody's it's going to work for everybody. But how optimistic do you think we should be that if Kevin Warren does pull the plug on football, that it would move seamlessly to the you know january february march at some point early 2021 well it would impact a program like ohio state for example who's already had guys like sean wade come out and yeah. play in the spring and he's a first round player i mean we haven't even seen a lot of opt-outs yet i mean caleb farley at virginia tech that's another first round pick that opted out and I would anticipate if there is a better organization you're going to see more of that in the coming weeks and uh, you know we put out our top 40 this week um, be interesting or last week, I think, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how many of those top forty players opt out. It's totally possible uh, for a lot of reasons, and um, because like, and this is something that's been said on your show and others, I'm sure. But all it takes is one student athlete to be on a ventilator or seriously hurt by COVID um, to, to pull the plug on the whole thing. At this time, a year ago, Notre Dame playing in the ACC would have been scoffed at. Yet here we are, and it took a pandemic to do it. Going forward, though, how much does this change the likelihood? They're an ACC member in many other sports, a lot of their Olympic sports. That's where they are. Of course, men's, women's basketball at the forefront of that. What is the likelihood, not next year or the following year, but say within the next five years that Notre Dame officially joins the ACC now for football? Well, a lot of it will depend on how it goes. You know, there's this school thought i I kind of posed the question yesterday if they win the conference what happens Hmm. i think that would be the thing that forces the issue most if they win the conference you'll have acc coaches bristling that maybe they should join it or notre dame could pull the ultimate you know troll move and say well that conference stuff is easy it's just not for us we're going back to being independent and uh that that you know some of their fans might like that i I think it's one of those wait and see how they enjoy the experience we're all going to monitor that very closely you know, the chance of them playing Clemson twice is very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, they get North Carolina on the schedule, too. That's going to be a fun yep. game. Have them go over to Chapel Hill and see what uh, North Carolina can do against Mac Brown. I think that's a great game for the conference. Mm. Uh, Bill, if we do see 10 conference games, if that's the model that we that we go forward with and we go forward with it in September, you know, maybe not the, when it's supposed to start, but at some point and we do finish prior to the playoff and we get the, we get the whole season in playoff and everything. How difficult is it going to be ba- to sell your fans that you know, we're going back to those buy games? We're going to have a, uh, an FCS team on our schedule or we're going to, we're going to, uh, you know, play somebody that we're going to pay somebody to come in here and get bludgeoned. How difficult is it going to be back to be able to go back, especially 
hopefully if college football fans get a taste of uh, you know better games on their schedules. Well, the ten game schedule, I think people are going to like it. Me too. If it happens. I do. I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to like the more regionality to it. You do miss the non conference games though, and I think they'll always have a place. You know, those non-conference matchups are pretty much what we talk about the most in the offseason. You know, there's a chance to see Ohio State go to Oregon or mm-hmm. Wisconsin and Notre Dame play at Lambeau Field and, and those kind of things. And I think, you know, if this goes well, it's going to probably prompt that question, should the Power Five and Group Five split up and the Group of Five kind of play for their own national title? And I still think that's a thing. I, I think I mm. would enjoy that more than anything. Me too. If, like, the MAC and the – Sunbelt and uh, those conferences, Mountain West, got to, together and formed their own fourteen playoff because I think that would generate a lot of interest too. Um, you know, for the for the members of those schools and give them a, a reason, an end game. Because if you like, I always tell people, if you graduate from a MAC school, you're accepting pretty much off the shoot that you're not going to win the national championship. <laughs> As you did graduate from a Mac school, uh, Bill Bender uh, is our guest. What's the likelihood of that happening, Bill? Is that on a drawing board somewhere? I don't think so, but I mean, I think it should be down the road. I mean, and this is one of those questions about the separation. What, what is the rule of the group of five? And when, like you said, when they, we experience 10 game conference schedules and the money that the power five might be able to use to kind of save the sport. Now the hitch in that is the group of five programs definitely depend on those paycheck games yeah. and, and they do. And they depend on the TV revenue from ESPN on the, um, you know, the Mac action, <laughs> those Thursday night specials that everybody complains about, but still watch. It. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, you kill for a maxing game. Oh right yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, I think those, all those factors are at work and I've talked to Mac people about that and it's just, it's that double edged sword where you need the money, but on the other end of it, yeah, you'd like to have some recognition and, and play for something more than the camellia bowl. Indeed. Bill Bender, Sporting News. Bill, uh, we will uh, speak with you next week. We should get some clarity on the Big Ten, mm-hmm. Big 12, SEC. We know what they're doing. Uh, Pac-12, we think we know what they're doing. Hey, but just 20 seconds on this, Bill. Just the report that the Pac-12 was going to pay the L.A. Times for more coverage in their newspaper. Did you see that? That surprised me. That's not a good look. <laughs> I think they should pay me for more coverage if they want more coverage. I can use the money right now. So, Bill Bender, uh, open yeah. for business. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to do that on the radio. No, don't pay me. Uh, so uh, thanks so much for having me on, guys. Uh, definitely have some clarity next week. You Good. guys can pay me. Indeed we do. Thank you, Bill. We appreciate it. We should pay you. Join us every week. We're grateful for that. Thank you, Bill. No problem. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Good dude. And a Mac graduate. He is Ohio. Ohio, indeed. Uh, we will talk, first of all, to Tom Kakert, 11.05-ish. Dave Sproul on Iowa State. See what he thinks the Big 12 is going to do next week. Dave will be with us about 11.25. Claxon's 11.45. Miller and Condon till noon. 1460, 106.3 FM.